Good afternoon, Mackling and McGarry on Monday. I'm Brett. He's Greg. Hey, Greg. Hey, Brett. How are you doing, man? I'm a con- little consternated at the moment. I see you are uh, absolutely obsessed with how that microphone is being held up there. I know there's a certain way to do things. <laughs> Have you been diagnosed with OCD? Uh, oh, no, I'm definitely... Uh, I- I OCD more on the obsessive part. I don't know, maybe a little bit compulsive. So you're just OD. I yeah, I might be OCD, but every day there's a routine where I come in here. <laughs> the microphone is, is it's kind of held up by a series of rubber bands. Right. So it's like it's so it's supposed to be suspended, right? Yes. So if you happen to knock it, uh, yeah, so it, it it's not as audible to the listener. But right now it's not really suspended at all. No. The technology is really letting you down is and, what it's doing. And every day I come in here and at least one of the rubber bands is off. And uh, I try to I try to fix it, but I don't know what I'm doing. And these rubber bands look like they might just snap at any given moment. So Well. So if you hear something that sounds like we're falling out of an airplane or down an elevator shaft, don't worry, it's just the microphone has become <laughs> dislodged from its sixteen thousand dollar holder that we can't figure out. It probably costs a lot of money. You know, right? Sixteen thousand dollars sounds like a like a joke, but for all we know, it actually costs that much money. So <laughs> I try to touch as little as possible when I'm in here, and just the odd button here and there, because I don't want to break anything. And speaking of touching things and and breaking things, how'd you like to be that individual in Europe who opened the email that unleashed? The malware and oh the ransomware. Uh, what are they calling that? What are they calling that? Uh, oh, bloody they, they, thing? there's an actual. Yeah, they gave it a wanna name. cry. Wanna cry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I got home on Friday, um, a few friends of mine were like, "Yeah, um, all I can do is text." We're getting emails like, do not do anything (laughs) on your computer right now. Oh, my. Okay. Yes. And it made a lot of people that I know want to cry because, of course, Friday, when you're in sales and in different uh, industries, Friday is a day where you're trying to wrap things up for the week. You're trying to get things ready and set up for Monday. So uh, Canada seemed to get off a little bit. In terms of this, uh, we warned you about it on Friday. We told you that you'd be hearing a lot about it over the weekend. And then there was a spate of people or spat, spate or spat, spate, spate of people who uh, these emails were lurking in their inbox and uh, they unleashed kind of another round of this virus uh, this morning, uh, in particular in Asia. So okay. uh, there are a lot of IT people who had very stressful weekends. So I'll tip my hat to them because it was not anything that I would want to have anything to do with. So just remember, don't be clicking on stuff. If you're getting emails from people you don't know, if there are attachments in emails that you're getting from people that you don't know best, just to, you know, as opposed to having curiosity kill the cat, because that's what they're counting on, is that you're dying to know what's inside there. Maybe it's something cool. Maybe it's something free. Maybe it's something I want to know about. They're counting on that. Mm -hmm. So just hit delete. And if it was really important, guess what? They'll ask you, did you get my email about such and such? And they can resend it. So uh, uh, just a word of warning, because we got that exact warning, what, about 90 minutes ago in our corporate email telling us just to, uh, you know, not be enticed by things that don't look familiar. Well, it looks like not even just a half hour ago. 
12.25 that email came in. Oh, so okay. Time I, flies I, well, when you're having fun. As of 6 p.m. Saturday, at least when I left, Canada hadn't been affected yet. There was, I was reading stories about how it was just a fluke. Right. Just random luck that Canada had not been affected yet. So clearly that story continued to develop throughout the weekend. And uh, good for the 22-year-old who found the kill switch sitting on a beach in, was it California? I did. You're you're educating me now. I think for the I have to double check, but the story was that he, this 22 year old from Britain, noticed that there was all sorts of weird, bizarre web traffic, and it seemed to be funneling through this one website. So he looked, and this website was for sale. The domain had not been purchased, so he bought it for ten bucks and activated some sort of a kill switch and shut it all down. So that's the that's the Coles notes. And again, this was on, this was early Saturday. So that's it, cool. I didn't hear that part of the on. story. So that's just, uh, that's a very basic understanding that I have of it. So I'm sure that there may be some additional details to that, but there you go. You had your own unfortunate incident at the driving range yesterday. Was it yesterday or was it Saturday? It was last night. Yeah, it was last night. I went to Tuxedo. Wanted to hit some golf balls after I did all my, my Mother's Day stuff and I wanted to, to go golfing, but I just uh, or wanted to get some golf in before the weekend was out, so I went over to Tuxedo. And there's two geese sitting in the middle of the driving range, maybe 50 yards ahead of me, if that, probably closer to 30 yards, just sitting there. <laughs> now, there were only five or six guys at the time, so it wasn't a full slate where everybody was hitting golf balls. And generally, goose or the geese sitting on the ground that f- about 30 yards ahead should be safe <laughs> because if you're a, at all a skilled golf you're player over them, the ball goes in the air. Mm. But I happened to hit one. It was a, I sculled a shot as we call it. I just hit it straight along the ground. I got it maybe a foot off the ground and it's going right at the geese. And I think, Oh no. And then I hear this like a, an audible thump as this golf ball <laughs> hammers this goose and he just kind of jumps up and flaps his wings a little bit. And then they they started squawking and eventually sauntered off of the range. But not five minutes later, one of them came back and then just sat down and got comfy. Didn't get the memo, huh? It just, there's a part of me that feels really bad. And there's another part that thinks if you choose to relax in a field where there are there's a continuous bombardment of projectiles, high-speed projectiles... Maybe that's not my fault. Now, you typically don't get a birdie at the driving range. Yes. <laughs> but in this case, you got a big birdie. And you're right. Uh, in terms of the geese, uh, you, you and Jeff were speaking, uh, you know, about uh, half an hour ago. And the idea that there seemed to be more geese. I saw one dead on the side of the road the other morning. I think it was yesterday morning on my way in. And it just feels as though... Uh, they're getting more brazen. They are getting braver about where they wander. And you mentioned the fact that one hissed at you, hissed not only at you, I get it, when you're wandering around and you're looking kind of intimidating and maybe they're goslings because I think the goslings are born now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're getting too close, then they give you that. <sighs> they're, they're vicious when they do that. But to hiss at your car... Rather brave. I had just turned off of Mission on to Panit. So I'm heading, at this point, I'm heading southbound on Mission towards Dougald, where I'm going to hang a left and go eastbound into Transcona. And this goose is 
slowly making its way across the road from the west side of the street to the east side. And I had to slow down, and I started honking at this thing to try to get it to wake up and get out of the way. And it kind of stopped, and it looked at me in my car and hissed at me. He gave you the bird. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, seriously, dude? You're going to hiss at a, a car? And then never mind the truck that was coming from the other direction and had to stop because this stupid goose would not get out of the way. I mean, we've heard the stories for years about how Americans hate Canada geese mm-hmm. when they come, you know, to different parts of North America and the southern states in particular during the winter time. I can see why. Yeah. You know, I mean, their their poop is huge. A. <laughs> and B, they're like, they're, they're jerks. Yeah, yeah, they really are. Yeah. They're getting, I've, I've, I've always been familiar with the geese protecting their goslings at golf courses because that's fairly common. And if you get within 10 feet, they, they, they tend to, you know, they'll just kind of perk up and flap their wings if you get too close and hiss at you. One of them took a run at me last year, although I completely provoked it. So that was just so I could get it on video. Uh, so that was on, that was my fault and whatever, fine. But the fact that they, they plopped down in this driving range and they were on, t- they were on the clubhouse as well. They, uh, there was one sitting at the top of the tuxedo clubhouse, flapping his wings, just squawking away the whole time I was on the driving range. There were geese all around just making all sorts of racket. And I just thought, that's a little unusual. And a goose hissing at me in my car is unusual. And we talked to somebody a few, couple of months back, and I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, but somebody was describing how geese, they, they tend to pick really stupid spots to... <laughs> To have their nests, and they, some of them use the planters in the on the median by the taxation center on Stapon. And there's a bad place over by the Winnipeg uh, WITT Technical Trade School over mm-hmm. where Keniston becomes McGilvery Boulevard. They've right. been really bad there. They've had to go and kind of cull some of the eggs in the past because... They go back every year, and they're creatures of habit. Your buddy Evan, I'm surprised he haven't hasn't told you about the goose that lives in the middle of the parking lot at Lux Barbecue <laughs> on Keniston. Really? And it's not just kind of off to the side, you know. Like at least the Marshalls ones, the ones that are in our neighborhood, they they're kind of tucked away to a certain extent. No, no. There's a, a a dad, a father goose. He sits right in the middle of the parking lot. At Lux Barbecue, and you've got to drive around them every time you go there, because uh, I've been there probably four or five times this spring, and he was there four of the five times. <laughs> Where's the nest? I don't know. Maybe it's in he a barbecue. He just sits right in the middle. Jeez. Yep. That's his spot, man. That's funny. 204-780-6868. Have you had any goose adventures this year? Are there more of them, or are they just getting more brazen or what is it? 204-780-6868 would like to know if you've had any amusing encounters with a goose or even a, a frightening one. A friend of mine was riding his bike a couple years ago now. There's a, a path, I, I believe it goes along the Seine River, sort of in uh, uh, River Park South, I think is the the neighborhood. And I'll take your word for it. He was telling me that he was ripping along in his bike, and I guess he happened upon a family of geese, so they saw him coming at them quickly. So one of them reared up and, and flew at him and attacked him. 
because he was he was an intruder. Yeah, they're they're jerk stores. The the geese. Sandy says, "What happened to the supposed uh, goose egg program? Didn't the city have a program in place to get rid of eggs along roadways? If a goose is born on the side of the road, guess what? He'll be back. She'll be back. Get rid of the eggs and even." My bird friend, our bird expert, Sherry Versluce from the Preferred Perch. She's a lover of bird, but the birds, even she has endorsed the idea of you've just got to, for their safety, our safety, you've got to reduce the footprint of these nesting areas of the of the geese. 204-780-6868. I see Mike on the line. I see Roger on the line and Jeff Forte handling more calls. Stand by. We're going to get to your phone calls about the geese. Your forecast is coming up next. I'm not a swan killer, okay? Hey, let me remind you of something, asshole. You're talking way too loud about swan killing in the dining room. Why is that so hard to understand? How many rules are you going to break, okay? You're not supposed to have your phone on. It's always ringing. You killed a swan. <laughs> The two of you better keep your god trap shut about this swan. Or what, Larry? Are you threatening me? Yeah. What are you going to do? What will you do to me, Larry? What What can you do to me? I'll open that closet door, okay, and take every one of those hats and destroy them. No wonder the the swan and the geese probably wouldn't like Larry David at all. (laughs) He's such a nasty man when he wants to be. Oh, yes. That from Curb Your Enthusiasm. You may recall the episode where he kills the black swan at his golf club and a bunch (laughs) of uh, his buddies know that he's done it and he gets blackmailed about it. Uh, Ironically enough, he gets blackmailed and uh, it's one of those uh, really good episodes. And the scene where he kills the swan, of course, is fake, but uh, it's, it's, it's pretty graphic and we thought of that because i hit a goose with a golf ball at the driving range yesterday at tuxedo and i felt pretty bad about it but at the same time not really because if you decide to to sit down in a driving range hey how is it my fault i i should be a better golfer though we have a deal roger is at 204-780-6868 hey roger thanks for your patience what do you have to say about the geese okay two weeks ago i was on rangers in front of chamois Mm-hmm. And there's the mom goose, the the dad goose, and a couple, oh, God, about five goslings. And I guess the goslings must have been just born that week. So it's trying to get up the curb, and it can't. So I thought, okay, I, you know, and meanwhile, there's a lot of bloody traffic. I mean, so I had I stopped my car, backed up the traffic to help him. Well, of course, the, the dad goose, well, I'm trying to help Wow, no, he's hissing, and he took a run at me. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and this lady also got out, and I said, well, try to distract them. Try to distract them so I can help out. And fortunately, no, they, they kept on being persistent, the little ones, and they finally did get up. But, yeah, they were trying to cross two lanes of traffic. And like I said, I stopped my car, and I backed up traffic so they could get across. Well, Roger, first of all, good, good, on you. good for you, man. That's so you're you're a kind-hearted person, and good for you for uh, for helping out, even in spite of the 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 goose trying to attack you. And that's yeah. that's right by the taxation center. That's mm-hmm. this this yeah, is right just by, right right behind the taxation center. That's right. Yeah, so that's a bad spot for geese. Roger, oh, thanks for there, sharing. There's, there's there's a lot. I mean, Don Lash. Uh, every year, you'll have a few uh, roadkill. I mean, you'll have a few flatten on the pavement 
Yeah, that's uh, where I saw. That's where I saw one the other morning. So yeah, uh, yeah Roger, they, you're they, you're you a good man. They cross, and then you know what? At the same token, too, when they're going down lags and they cross, you're not going to basically uh, try to stop or swerve, and you know hurt somebody or hurt or kill yourself trying to save them. Yeah, you yeah, can't so, stop. On sometimes you just got to hold on to the steering wheel and stand your ground best you can. Uh, thanks, Roger. Debbie is up next. Hey, Debbie, what do you have to say about the geese? Uh, well, my story is similar to your previous caller. Um, I was heading west on uh, Regent, and uh, a family of geese was crossing. He w- they were going in the other lane, and ho- when I was coming up across from Costco, the traffic had stopped, and I didn't quite know why until I saw this family again trying to cross, and the little ones weren't able to jump up on the curb. So I didn't see how it ended, but it certainly looked a little scary because lots of traffic was stopped, but lots of people didn't know why people were stopped. So it's that cross between how do you help this little family and how do you be safe? So well, I think that that's a bit of a, a great, especially this time when all the little ones are very tiny. Yeah, it's a real dilemma. There's no question about it. Well, and wasn't there that story in Quebec? And Debbie, thanks for that. We appreciate yeah. it uh, very okay. much. Uh, wasn't there that story of that woman in Quebec who she stopped her vehicle trying to help some birds get across the street and then somebody on a motorcycle yes. uh, with carrying, so it was a driver and there was a passenger on the bike, crashed into her and she went to jail. That's, I think you're exactly right, Brett. That's, I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure she was charged and convicted I because she right. put other motorists at risk because mm-hmm. she was trying to help some animals. Uh, Herman, it, oh boy, I know you've been waiting for a long time, Herman. Uh, we do have to pause for the news, so if you can give us a couple more minutes, patience, we would appreciate it. And Mike, if you're still listening, call us back at 204-780-6868. Global News is coming up next. Newspaper covering her face. Anything to say, Emma? 25-year-old Emma Zornabaj walked out of the Montreal courthouse saying nothing about the case everyone is talking about. After four days of deliberating, a jury in Montreal found Zornabaj guilty of causing two highway deaths. The jurors concluded stopping on a highway for a family of ducks was not an error in judgment, but rather a criminal offense. A father and daughter were killed in the crash. Their motorcycle struck Zornabaj's parked car at more than 100 kilometers an hour. The verdict... That from June of 2014, Brett McGarry, great recall on the news story that you were trying to relate to this idea of, you know, where do you strike the balance between trying to help these goslings out? I think it was our caller, Sandy, who said, uh, maybe it wasn't Sandy, Deborah, who said that, you know, you have to be careful because you want to help the ducks and the geese and the baby ducklings and the baby goslings, but this can be a, a sidebar ramification, right? Yeah, especially on Lajemodier, you can't, and as you mentioned, Greg, sometimes you just got to bear down. I have not had been, had to make that choice yet, but uh, hopefully, and hopefully I won't have to. Ugh. Herman has made the choice to stick around, and Herman, we thank you for your patience at 204-780-6868. What is your story relating to geese? Well, thanks, guys. Um, first of all, that Lux barbecue goose, he's there because he's protecting his mate. And um, I've been there several times in the last couple of weeks. He's always there. Uh, it seems odd that he would stick around a barbecue place, but uh, <laughs> anyway, he's there. <laughs> and, and if you look at the uh, the raised uh, flower uh, flower bed that they've got there, uh, you'll find her sitting right in the center of that. 
And so he's there guarding her. Okay. They're super loyal, right? Their instincts oh. are unbelievable. I give them all the credit in the world for that. I marvel at the way they are so uh, precise in coming back to their nesting areas. And yeah, this idea that they mate for life, it's, uh, it's a romantic notion, if it's nothing else. Well, he's always there. He's always sitting right in, the, in your way, of course, in the parking lot. And, uh, and so I think he's there protecting her. And uh, I think it's kind of cute. Uh, the other story, uh, I don't know if you've ever, ever been out to Kingswood Golf Course, but I was out there a number of years ago on, uh, uh, I think it was hole number 15. They, it goes along, a, uh, it goes along a, a fence, and there's a field on the other side of the fence, and a big high-raised tee box. At any rate, I hit my, uh, my drive. I was out in the center of the fairway and uh, going to hit a three-wood up to the green. And so... I hit the three wood, perfect three wood. It was up in the air, and all of a sudden, this goose comes cartwheeling out of the sky. Um, there was three goose, geese flying overhead, oh. and I hit one of them on the fly as he was flying over, and uh, actually killed the goose. Oh no! Uh, when he when he hit, we picked him up and put him on the golf cart, and somebody at the um, somebody at the uh, at the shop at the pro shop. Uh, took them home, I guess, and cooked them up. But um, the odds of hitting a goose out of the air on in flight, I think are probably pretty rare. So um, we had uh, gone out that day with a foursome, and one of my foursome that I usually golf with said, uh, I'm not going today, I want to go hunt, goose hunting. So anyway, uh, when I got home that night, I phoned him up. And I said, hey, how many geese did you get? He says, well, I got one. I said, well... So did I. <laughs> <laughs> Herman, I'm so glad you decided to stick around through the news to share those stories with us. Appreciate it, man. You're welcome. All right. Thank you very much, Herman. Have a and good day. You too, Herman. And uh, and if you're still listening, Herman, uh, I have, and I do spend a fair amount of time at Kingswood, and there are always... Uh, I'm from around 15, yeah, but six and seven, Greg. I don't know when's the last time you were at that. It's golf been a room? while, but I have a good memory of it. Six and seven. There's a pond in between the two holes. There are right. always geese on both holes. Usually, there are a few ducks in the pond as well. But sometimes the the level of geese, particularly in the fall, there are hundreds of them on both holes. Sometimes you just have to sit. And wait for them to, because once you start plowing through with a power cart, you just have to stop and wait for these hundreds of geese to just fly away. So it's quite the scene at Kingswood in LaSalle. And I'm actually stunned that I have not hit a goose there because I'm such a bad golfer. Uh, 204-780-6868 is the number to call or text. Jason sent us a uh, text. He works over at uh, the MPI compound that we visited, Greg. That's right. On Plessy's. And he said, we had 10 babies at the compound on Friday, uh, goslings. So he sent us a picture of two geese, the adult geese, with their little goslings. And he says, uh, over the weekend, the fox and hawks got them. It's the circle of life. <laughs> Jason, very pragmatic about uh, our, our baby goslings that have uh, <coughs> uh, fed that circle of life. Kyle says, I honk my horn and they get out of my way. The modern invention of the car horn. Use it, people. It's not that difficult. I did honk at, like I said, I honked at this goose on Panit just yesterday afternoon and it hissed at me in my car. Yeah, exactly that. Lori says at 204-780-6868, in my mind, when the geese come back every spring, they start humming a line from one of Joni Mitchell's songs. 
They paved paradise and put up a parking lot. Does it go something like this? I don't know if the, the geese have, you know, iTunes or anything, but <laughs> this is an apropos song without question. And we are, we're encroaching on their habitat without doubt, right? And in Winnipeg where we're growing so quickly and there are those pockets of development now that are, you could almost classify them as infill because there are these new neighborhoods that are closer yep. to downtown. In particular, I'm thinking about Highway 59. There's three brand new developments in the last 10, 12 years that were open fields. Like when I moved out there 13 years ago, there was nothing. There was one house in the middle of the field, just as you go over the overpass at Concordia. Okay. Right in the middle of the field. Now there's got to be three, four hundred, five hundred houses there. You're right. There are new condominiums, apartments, etc. Yeah, we're encroaching on their habitat without doubt, and this is uh, this is part of the effect of that for it, sure. But still, some of the places they choose to nest. Oh, it just, is odd. There's especially no doubt about by it. that we. we by the taxation center where they're having to cross the street with their little babies. Michaela says they're in the roof of Standard Arrow mm. on Allen Dine. Is that? I'm not familiar with that particular street, but yeah, she says, okay. guess their little ones have to learn how to fly before getting off of that roof. That is an interesting spot to nest. John says simply, I do not stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get out of the way, geese, because John's coming through. Yep. Too many geese, they bring down airplanes, for God's sakes, thin them out. What is somebody called them flying vermin in one of these text messages here? Oh, really? Yes. So uh, well, while you're looking for that, I'll read this one from Greg J. Lots of Greg's texting Mackling and McGarry. Greg J says, when I was younger, there was this old man in Lakeside Meadows, which is in Transcona, that would feed them. And when one got a little too close, he would hit them in the head with one of those fish bat things. And put in a bag really quick and walk away. Oh, my God. Greg he's poaching geese. Greg J says it was funny to watch. Okay. <laughs> wow. uh, maybe Max might agree with this technique. They are vermin with wings. People give more care to them than cyclists on the road. What's with that? Let Darwin have his way. Cheers, Mad Max. As far as the cyclists go, uh, my feelings for cyclists remain mixed because as much as I want to be pro-cyclist and all that, I can't tell you the number of times where I see cyclists just, oh, there's a red light. I'm just going to go on through. I want to use the road, and I want you to respect me on the road, but I'm not going to follow the rules. Anyway, that's a different conversation. You got that right. And uh, <laughs> I had a similar experience last night at Assiniboine Park walking uh, with the family after dinner last night. We went for a nice long walk, and there was a man on his bike, not using the bicycle pass, but, you know, using the regular roadways, mm. and he went right through a three-way stop. He was looking around, not a care in the world, and at one of the other stop signs, there was a vehicle, you know, la-da-da-da-da, just on his way through. I'm like you. I try to be pro-cyclist, but there are so many bad decisions being made out there, it makes it really difficult, and it really wants me, it really makes me want more bike lanes really quick. Yeah. Because the answer to this is segregation. (laughs) (laughs) I know it sounds terrible. Just separate us, please separate us. (laughs) Industrial Park behind McGilvery Costco. I got out of my truck to walk to my shop and came upon a goose resting in a dusty gravel parking lot. And I swear this miniature dinosaur freaking barked at me. (laughs) 
I then noticed it had a nest of eggs dug out in the middle of this gravel lot that it was protecting. I made one more attempt to exit my truck, but this Canada T-Rex roared at me again and confirmed my inadequacies as a man. I took off and I called in sick. Oh my God, that is perfect. <laughs> when, when we were trying to decide what to talk about the, the, for the first half hour today, we had no idea what we were going to discuss. <laughs> Brett says, I could talk about my goose thing. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if that's going to provoke any conversation or not. And here we are at 1.45 on Monday afternoon, and we're getting text messages uh, beyond uh, beyond question here. So we'll uh, continue the discussion for a little bit. Your forecast in the meantime is coming up next. I swear the temperature changed in the blink of an eye. I was looking at it one moment. It was 22. Looked away, looked back, and it was 23. Oh, look at that. So uh, great afternoon. I see a Jeep out there. From our perch high above Empress and uh, Jack Blick Avenue here, mm, no yeah. top, no doors, uh, perfect way to be out and about on this Monday afternoon. I'm Greg, he's Brett. Not for not for long, unfortunately, with the rain in the forecast tomorrow, looks a little bit cooler on Wednesday as well. How's We're, the long weekend looking? Uh, the Dare long we weekend, say? oh boy, yeah, that is, May long is generally not good. The long weekend, long-term forecast, looking at Environment Canada right now, it says... Friday, sunny, Saturday, sunny, Sunday, sunny, doesn't go as far ahead. And again, this is a long-term forecast, which is likely almost guaranteed to change in some way, hopefully not towards rain because it's usually cold and rainy on May long. So I don't know. I remember when I was in my 20s, May long, you could have 30 degrees, we'd go to Grand Beach, we'd be in the water already playing beach volleyball. I remember hot and sunny May long weekends when I was younger, but since I moved back to Manitoba, yeah, May long weekends sucks typically. Yeah, weather wise, and it um, often it's like this blip on the radar. It can be nice leading into yes. the long weekend. You're very true, and on then that. you're very right. It's just it's like a cosmic joke. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight is sixty eight is the number to call or text. <laughs> We're talking about geese. It's inspired by this conversation we had with with Greg that I had with Greg in the newsroom where he said, "So I hit a goose at the driving range yesterday, and then another one hissed at me while I was in my car trying to get it to get off of the road." So we're getting, we're asking you about your goose adventure stories. And here's one from somebody who was at the zoo. Is that the one you're reading, Greg? I'm reading John's. It says, get geese to make bike riders follow the rules. (laughs) (laughs) That's a follow-up to how we sort of veered off just for a moment to complain about cyclists who do not follow the rules. If you are a cyclist who follows the rules, we thank you. Mackley and McGarry, thank you. This is a text that says, my wife and I took the kids to the zoo about three years ago. There was a lady feeding Canada geese some bread. One goose snuck up behind her and grabbed a bun from her hand. She spun around, grabbed it by the neck, and wrestled the bun back, all the time telling the goose, I told you, you had enough, let it go. It was very funny. Too bad my phone was not rolling. (laughs) Tenacious. Good for you, although... Doesn't Sherry vs. Loose from Preferred Birds yes, say bread is bad? Very bad for birds because uh, in their in their esophagus uh, they've got this uh, fluid or phlegm, and basically what ends up happening is that bread expands and it can expand either in their esophagus or in their stomach, 
and it's totally empty calories for them. They feel full, and it plugs them up, and then they don't eat, and then it actually leads to, in some cases, them starving. So, oh, boy. Yeah, don't feed uh, bread to birds. It's not good for them. Our good friend Eve says, the new way to hunt geese, golf clubs and golf balls, the <laughs> humane way to hunt. <laughs> for the record, I did not kill this goose. I just had, it was about 30 yards away. I, I hit a ball about a foot off the ground, like a laser beam. It just kind of... Hit the ball and then thump, hit this goose in the side and it flapped its wings for a bit and eventually sauntered off. And then it came back. This uh, all ironically, weren't we watching that video last week of the golfer who hit a duck out of midair off the tee at a golf course somewhere in the United States? Yep. So, uh, let's see, life does mimic art sometimes. Yeah, it, it, it happens. Oh, you know what? That This has nothing to do with the conversation we're having. Shocking. Actually, hang on. I'll get to that in a second. You mentioned uh, Kevin the Garbage Man's text. Do you have that in front of you there? Uh, yes. Okay, read what Kevin the Garbage People Man People will stop, swerve, hit the ditch, and pull into an oncoming traffic uh, to avoid animals. But when a human is standing in the road with a sign that says stop and slow down, they speed on by. Yeah, that's interesting and, and in many cases true. I had a, a coast-to-coast moment this weekend. Friday, what? what? Friday night I had this, you know, this random, I mean, dreams are always random. So I had this dream that I was in the Transcona Public Library taking a, a stroll down memory lane because that's the, the public library that I used to visit when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And they're getting ready to build this new one eventually and close the current one. So... Here I am in this dream, revisiting all the pockets of the library. I haven't been in this building for 25 years, but I could remember it in this dream clear as a bell. And then for some reason, I bump up, bump into this guy, Paul, who I used to work with at a call center. Uh, I haven't seen him since 2004. No idea why he, he was just like, hey, Paul, how are you? I shook his hand and carried on. The next day, Saturday, so that was Friday night, no. Saturday morning, No, I'm walking to work and I walk into the mall and who's the first person I see? Paul? Paul. Whoa. Who I used to work with. Dude. <laughs> that is freaky stuff, That's man. That's so coast to coast AM, isn't it? It is. You have ESPN. <laughs> I have the ESPN. <laughs> is that uh, Zoolander? Uh, oh, sounds like it, it would be Zoolander. You have the ESPN. I think Espen is uh, Ron Burgundy auditioning oh. for ESPN where he's talking about 24-hour sports network. This is stupid. That's never going to take dumb off. idea. <laughs> uh, back to the texts on the goose, the geese adventures. This is from, uh, we don't. there's no name attached here, but it says, was seeding a field and a goose had its eggs in... The middle of our field, sad to say, the air seeder one. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would be. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, there's got to be tough situations where what can you do? Still what freaked out do? about your dream. It's creepy, isn't it? I That's dialed. so bizarre for a coincidence. I had a dream the other night and I dialed a phone number in this dream. I bet you I haven't dialed. It's going to be easy 15, if not 16 years. Okay. And when I woke up, for whatever reason, I remembered uh-huh. the phone number. I remember whose phone number it was. Okay. And I hadn't thought about phoning this person in an awfully long time. And to actually dial the number, and it's like imprinted in the 
like right here on the inside <laughs> of my brain right now. It's bizarre how vivid dreams can be. And then other mornings you wake up and you go, I don't even know what I dreamt about. Yep. You know? You wake up and you blink a couple of times and the dream's gone. Yeah. And sometimes they're good. You don't want them to end. <laughs> I don't want to get up for work. I'm going to hit snooze and get back to sleep as Can soon as back? possible. Just take me back. Take me, take me back. And never works. Never, never, never. <laughs> you need to learn how to lucid dream. How to what? To, I think they call it lucid dreaming, where you like take control of your dream. Tell me more about this. I think there's, there, there, there's a... Pretty sure there's a trick. There's a way that you can maybe really? teach yourself how to do it. I've never tried, but every so often, I'd say one out of a hundred dreams, I I managed to take control of the dream. Okay, that's so neat. We have a sleep expert. We need to find a dream expert. If you know of a dream expert, shoot us an email. Brad at cjob.com, gmac at cjob.com, uh, because yeah, I'm getting freaked out by some of my dreams lately. They're way too vivid. Global News at 2 o'clock is up next. It's Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling on 680 CJOB. Thanks to everyone for your text messages and emails and phone calls about geese adventures. We appreciate that. Also still to come this half hour, we're going to speak with a local author by the name of Miranda O, who has a series of books with a title that we can't actually say (laughs) on the air. Uh, We'll simply say chin up. Chest out, but the the word uh, it's a slightly different word used to describe uh, that part of the 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 anatomy. So that's about as much we can really say about that. So looking forward to that conversation. Right now, though, we do want to get a little bit more serious and talk about something that happened over the weekend. It happened Friday night. The old Merchants Hotel on Selkirk Avenue, the scene of a fire, the scene of arson. And a couple of suspects are in custody relating to this. Now, the the damage was relatively minimal, and it looks like there will won't be any dis- delays in construction because this is a a building that's being converted into affordable housing. It's going to be used as an educational complex as well. So uh, they're trying to give it a facelift, but somebody tried to put an end to that on Friday by the looks of it. Police are investigating, of course. So we are just reaching out now. We actually have on the line with us uh, someone by the name of Don Sands, who is the executive director of the North End Community Renewal Corporation. Don, thank you so much for joining us live on 680 CJOB. Oh, thanks for having me. I guess uh, this could have been much worse news uh, coming into uh, Saturday morning and throughout the weekend. Yes, yes, it could have been much worse. Um, we're, feeling, we're feeling pretty lucky today. Um, the damage was very minimal, um, contained to mostly just the second and third floors and just a couple of little isolated spots. So um, we're not anticipating that's going to cause any delays to the project. Uh, nothing structural um, was damaged. So, yeah, we're feeling pretty lucky today. So, so tell us a little bit about the history of Merchant's Corner and what's going on here, if you don't mind, Don. Um, so Merchant Corner has been um, in the neighborhood for over 100 years. Um, it started out, I think, as a hardware store, actually, and then um, was purchased into a hotel um, where, you know, it was actually quite uh, a fancy hotel um, at one point in its life cycle. But as the North End uh, community um, started to see some disinvestment um, and people started to move out into the suburbs, uh, we saw the hotel really fall into decline. And for a long time, it was a hot spot um, for a lot of crime and violence in the neighborhood. Uh, so back in 2011, the community decided um, 
that the merch was a really important part of their community. They wanted to see it revitalized into something um, that was uh, positive and productive. Um, so the North End Community Renewal Corporation uh, brought together all of our community stakeholders, uh, worked closely with the provincial government um, to purchase the building and to transform it from which was a symbol of community decline to um, which we're now describing as a peak and a hope. As you said earlier, um, we're converting it into educational space, uh, community space, and affordable housing uh, for the community members. Don, we Global News spoke with uh, one of the neighbors in the area, somebody who lives in the area, who actually is not a fan of the plan that to, to convert it into housing and uh, an educational complex. His name is Philip. I just I'm going to play this clip. It's a short clip. Just want to play it and see uh, what your reaction is. There's too much gang activity. There's shootings every other night just uh just a couple weeks ago there was a shooting just above the catering place just down the street guy got shot in the hand with a shotgun it's just uh, i don't think it's the right fit so philip thinks that this what the plan to convert the merchants hotel the old merchants hotel is not the right fit uh you describe it as as beacon of hope the the building was once called i believe the sign read the pride of the north end so here's an effort to try to bring it back to life, and residents don't like the idea. So what do you think of that? Well, I think um, it's unfortunate because, you know, some people do have some, you know, um, negative ideas about what affordable housing means. Um, but how this project was put together was quite holistic. So, you know, the affordable housing is targeted for student families. Um, it is going to be an educational space as well as a community space. But we have to remember that, you know, this this part of the community has a long history um, of some of the issues um, that Philip had described. And it's really important, um, you know, that we sit and we talk to everybody um, and we include them in the conversations um, when we put projects together like this, um, you know, in terms of revitalization. So we're really hoping that, you know, once the, the building's, you know, up and running, um, that some of the residents' concerns uh, don't come to fruition and they'll be quite pleased with uh, with the project and how it serves the community. Don, we're just going to just need to quickly mention that uh, we're getting a lot of calls and texts about a situation. A caller says there's a lot of smoke coming from the area of Sterling Line and Keniston, right by where the new outlet mall is. Uh, the caller doesn't know where it's coming from, but it seems to be getting worse. And uh, Dave says huge black smoke coming from the area of the railway by the new outlet mall. Uh, so if you're heading towards there, we're not entirely sure what's going on, but we do thank you for letting us know uh, that there's a situation by the new outlet mall. Yeah, multiple reports here. So we will be keeping an eye and, of course, we'll update you as soon as we have any concrete information. And please feel free to filter any information you may have about this. Uh, you know, Don, uh, the idea that maybe what happened at the new Merchant's Corner and in the process of the redevelopment of this site, what happened on Friday night, early Saturday morning with these fires is is maybe an example of why this type of development is needed so badly in this part of our community. Agreed. Um, you know, it was really nice to see the outpouring of support from the community uh, once the word had started to spread that there had been some some fires, you know. So it really just... 
um, reminded us how important these projects are to the community um, and how excited they are to see this come to life for them. Um, they see it as an opportunity for them to get the education um, that they've been hoping for and have safe and affordable housing. And the community space is incredibly important. We're actually um, going through another series of consultations, and I really hope this Philip um, has the opportunity to join us on Thursday, March 18th from 6 to 9 p.m., and another one Thursday, May 23rd from noon to 3 p.m., uh, we're going out and we're consulting the community and asking them, besides the education programs that are already going to be housed there, what other types of programs and services would they like to see happen in the merch? So we'll always ensure um, how this project is managed um, is by the community and for the community. So, yeah, Philip's voice would be incredibly important to hear there. And sorry, that was uh, May 18th at uh, what time? 6 to 9 p.m., and that will be at uh, Mama Way. And on May 23rd from noon to 3, we'll be at Norquay Community Centre. So those are free events, uh, they're consultations, and we would really love to hear from the community um, about what programs and services they want to see in the merch once it's opened. You know, is this part of the city at a tipping point here, Don? Because when you hear folks that are, are a little bit concerned about a project like this that is clearly aiming to uh, do so many good things, to be a beacon of hope, and to provide not only uh, affordable housing, but education, all the things that you've outlined. When a community is concerned about, and, and, and certainly Philip doesn't necessarily speak for the whole community, but when you get to this point, is, is that also not a good sign when there's dissension, as opposed to people just being open to any sort of thing that's going on here is a, is a sign of positivity. The fact that people want to be involved and make sure, show uh, what's going on and, and want to know what's happening in a development like this, that's showing ownership of what's going on in their own neighborhood, in their own community. Absolutely. It's always really important that when we're putting projects like this together um, that we hear from all different perspectives. Um, and I think the Merch Project um, has done that quite well right from the beginning. Um, there's been thousands of hours of consultation already within this project, and we've heard from all different uh, perspectives about um, what's important to have. We've heard people talk about their fears, right? There was a time where this, this hotel, um, it's a trauma trigger for some people, right? Like we have to remember that, you know, there was a lot of um, really bad things that happened here. So it was important that we created those spaces for people to come to air the concerns and their fears and to be part of um, the development of the entire project. And I, I think we've put together, um, our project is much better for it um, because we've created those spaces for those conversations. Donna, thank I hate to interrupt the, the conversation once again, but I just want to thank our various listeners who are sending us text messages uh, and pictures of this fire, which appears to be coming from an apartment complex uh, in the vicinity of that outlet mall, so somewhere along Route 90. I don't know exactly where this is, but I just want to thank you. And uh, we are on top of this. I believe we have someone heading out to the scene there of are this fire. There are numerous apartment buildings, condo complexes that are being built to the west of the outlet mall along Street line parkway just south of the rail line there and based on uh, one of the pictures i'm getting here right now and i'm looking at brett it looks to be either one of the buildings that's that's newly completed or is on at some stage of construction don can you hold the line just one moment please as uh, keith mccullough global news has entered the studio here we'd like to update our listeners on uh what we know about the situation in south winnipeg and just like you guys were taking a ton of calls into our newsroom right now just got off the phone with one woman and another gentleman who say 
that this is in one of those new apartment blocks confirming what you guys have been saying that's right around the outlet mall just huge huge clouds of dark smoke so we have a reporter on the way right now both from our cjob newsroom from our global newsroom downtown so we'll get the very latest on this don't know at this point we're checking with police with the fire department on how this might have started but i mean there's there's obviously a lot of construction going on in that area that's likely probably a safe assumption as to what's going on here but looks like a pretty big fire in the area of the new outlet mall we're on it and we'll certainly keep you and the listeners updated global's keith mccullough thank you very much keith and don if you can hold the line for a moment we'd I'd love to continue our conversation about the merch uh don sands is the executive director of the north end community renewal corporation and this conversation started talking about what happened over the weekend at the merchants hotel the old merchants hotel site which is being converted two male youths have been charged uh, with a number of arson related related offenses over the weekend including this one which happened friday night at around 9 30. the merchants hotel by the way is on selkirk in case you're unfamiliar with the location your forecast in the meantime is coming up next i'm brett he is greg and we have been talking about the fire at the old merchants hotel but we also have a breaking news situation happening this afternoon in also involving fire this is a housing complex that is under construction uh, we believe on Sterling Lion Parkway near the outlet mall. We have text. One text here from Bill says, you can see the smoke from Henderson in the perimeter. Eve went one better and says smoke is visible from Garvin Road. My that is way across town, outside of town, from the complete opposite direction. So thank you for everyone for your text messages. Again, if you're just tuning in, there is you can see black smoke billowing into the sky out of an apartment complex that is... Or a condo complex. Uh, could I'm not entirely sure what form of housing it is, but it's under construction along the Route 90 area, and uh, we're getting pictures and video, so thanks to everyone who has chimed in about this. We are getting the chopper, our uh, global chopper, up in the air. We'll have pictures and video for you as soon as possible. Keep it locked here on 680 CJOB. We will keep you up to date, up to the minute on this situation. Don Sands is Executive Director of the North End Community Renewal Corporation. We're talking about the redevelopment of Merchant's Corner, and I guess, ironically, we're talking about the fact that there was a fire set there Friday night. There are arrests made in this and several other arsons around uh, the neighbourhood, Don, and we mentioned off the top, maybe highlighting within itself the reason why this development is so critical in the first place, but just talk about uh, the uh, level of engagement. You know you, you've invited engagement on the, some of the other possibilities for use of this public space. How has the community involvement been and the engagement in terms of feedback and making this space something that the, 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 the area residents want? Feedback has been fantastic. Like I said, we started uh, consulting the community a few years ago about this, and we've seen over uh, 30 community groups, businesses, and representatives um, come in and, and feed the process and sign up for um, the original steering committee. Many of them have now uh, transformed to uh, the board members that will continue to oversee the, the project. We've had several people uh, volunteer and help raise funds for the project. So there's been lots of opportunity for the community uh, to be a part of this project. Um, and yeah, they, they've shown up and, and been willing and excited to help move this forward. So it, it's been really good. Don, can you maybe just tell, tell us a little bit about the, the North End Community Renewal Corp? I mean, I know uh, there's a lot in the name there that sort of, it's kind of self-explanatory, but just tell us a little bit about your organization. 
Um, so we've been around for about 18 years. Uh, we're actually part of the Neighborhoods Alive um, initiative um, from the provincial government. There's 13 of us across the province. Um, and our mandate is really to work with the local community groups um, to help them revitalize their communities and really empower them to make decisions and to shape their own communities and what they'd see happen. We focus on areas around community development, uh, community economic development, uh, safety, um, culture, and housing are the main priority areas that we focus on here. You know, Don, uh, it's it's always easy. Some I think sometimes it seems easy from an outsider's perspective to come into a neighborhood, an area that is redeveloping and that has difficulties in the past. And it's easy for someone to take a look and they'll say, oh, I know what you need. You need this. You need that. You need this sort of uh, uh, community support uh, organization here. You just need to redevelop the the front of this building over there, encourage business to come in here. Uh, But this isn't about outsiders coming in and, and telling community members what they need. It's about coming up with a, and I love the terminology, so I'm going to use it, grassroots solution to uh, making things better and to taking that next step in the redevelopment of Selkirk Avenue. You're absolutely correct. So what we do is every five years, we go out to the community and we ask them, they say, you know, what are some of the issues you believe um, face this community? What are some of the strengths of this community? Um, how would you like to see um, these issues addressed? And how would you like to uh, work together to get them accomplished? So we, our role is to support the community um, and to bring their vision to life. So we run off of five-year plans. And we work very closely with them to bring those plans to life. And, you know, the Merchant's Corner is a prime example um, of really what can be accomplished when a community comes together and, uh, you know, joins forces and and. and to make their community better. So this is a, this is a great example for sure. We're very relieved to hear that the uh, arson on Friday night will not slow down the redevelopment and the uh, progress that you've made in construction. Don Sands, Executive Director, North End Community Renewal Corporation, has been our guest for the last half hour or so. Don, thank you for your time this afternoon. And of course, we have breaking news. Yes, and Don, thank you so much for, for uh, sort of rolling with the punches here as we deal with this breaking news situation. There's a huge fire uh, out in the—I don't know the exact location yet, but if Greg, you recognize this, is this on Sterling Lion Parkway? It would be, yes, Sterling Lion Parkway. There's a whole series of developments. There's a seniors complex, there's condos and uh, rental apartments that have been under construction over various time periods over the last couple of years. It would seem as though this apartment building— by all reports, is one that is currently under construction. It's not completed yet, and this seems to be where the fire is. So that's on Sterling Line Parkway, west of Route 90, just north of Ikea and to the west of the uh, of the new Outland Mall. And we'll hear from a witness of this fire coming up in mere moments from now when Global News at 2.30. We will keep you up to date to the moment uh, as we get at Christian O'Mell uh, from the Global slash CGOB newsroom on his way to 701, I believe, is the official uh, address of that fire. Uh, Sterling Parkway, Sterling Lion Parkway, excuse me. It's Greg Mackling and Brett McGarry with you on this Monday afternoon. All sorts of exciting things going on. So thanks for being with us and keep it locked here. We will get you the very latest uh, on that fire in an apartment building on Sterling Lion Parkway. It's uh, north of Ikea and to the west of the Seasons of Tuxedo, the new outlet mall. There's a series of buildings there, condos, apartments. This apartment building, as we understand it, is not yet occupied. So we don't want to 
send anybody into a panic that might have recently moved into that neighborhood and think that it's their apartment or their condo or seniors complex. As we understand it, this is a building that is not yet complete. And Paul has texted as well. It says the smoke has dissipated, but uh, we were getting texts earlier, Greg, from people on Garvin Road who could see the text. So this the the smoke was thick, it was black, it was significant, uh, raising eyes eyebrows from across Winnipeg, quite frankly. So we'll get more details on this throughout the afternoon. But in the meantime, we want to press pause on that and welcome our new friend Miranda O who is a local author, and she's written a couple of books, one of them just recently released, <laughs> and we can't actually say the title. We'll say, When All Else Fails, Chin Up, Bits Out. How about we go with that? <laughs> but it's, that's not the word that's used. I'm sure you can figure it out. But, uh, Miranda, thank you so much for joining us here on 680 CJOB to tell us about that. Oh, well, thank you. I am so excited to be here and obviously tell you a little bit about my stories and and how much fun they are. So I'm really excited to be here. Now, the title comes from a little bit of wisdom that you've been carrying around with you from your mom, who's with you today. (laughs) And she used a more appropriate term, and you've obviously uh, decided to engage in a little bit of more colorful uh, language, so to speak, with your title. But your mom used to say something else and talk about why she would share that with you and the value of that advice. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, first things first, if we have the ability to spice up our lives or or make them a little bit more colorful these days, I think we should always take that opportunity and embrace it. Um, but let's call it the chin up, chest out. Uh, that started when I was younger and it was always into being confident in who you are and, and walking into a room and, and, and conquering. I remember when I went to uh, kindergarten, I had a panic attack and they literally gave me a plastic a paper bag to breathe into because I couldn't stop crying. Then, you know, when, when I got into junior high and was playing a little bit high-level sports, you always play hard, strive hard, and you get nervous. And that, you know, chin up, shoulders back, chest out. And then, you know, I was bucking for a compliment uh, as I reached adulthood. And, and my mom turned and gave me some sass. And she's just like, don't do that. You have enough confidence. And you know you're good looking. So just go out and do what you do. And I said, you know what? Thanks, Mom. And uh, as she's here today, and, and she will most likely always be there to, to shadow me and, and push the confidence through. Bucking for some compliments. Yes, I was bucking for some compliments. Who doesn't buck for compliments? Like, life guess, is hard I, enough. I just I, like, I love the terminology. I don't know that I've ever heard that. <laughs> but it's right, right? And we always do that to our folks. It's like, you know, you know I look good. I know I look good, but I want you to tell me, Mom, I look good. You don't need that. Got to tell you, by the way, there's been a crash at Lajamodier and Fermor. Southbound lanes affected. Crash at Lajamodier and Fermor. Southbound lanes affected. So these books that you've written, you've written two books now. The first one is called Remember No Matter What, Chin Up, Chest Out, uh, Chin Up, Bits Out, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So, And then the, the follow-up is When All Else Fails, Chin Up, Bits Out. So I guess tell us a little bit about uh, what are these books? books about. You've you've created a character. I have. I have created a character and uh, her name is Hadley. She starts off in the first book as an 18-year-old and loving fearlessly. She runs through life head first and uh, travels to Africa to bring home the love of her life. And just she hits every type of roadblock, whether it be immigration, whether it be racism, whether it be, oh my goodness, she's a girl who's never traveled before by herself and now she's finding herself and running around Africa. 
African bushes. Um, and and you follow this young, wild, very opt odd reason, then picks herself up, dusts herself off, says some kind of weird, sick, twisted thing, and then moves on. And uh, the second story picks up where Hadley's about to bring home the love of her life, and everything seems to be, she seems to be ready for that happy ending, white picket fence, you know, knight in shining armor, and uh, life smacks her with another curveball. So she deals with a lot of... um, not tragedy, but stress around her her partnership and stress around her family. And, you know, it's things that we all deal with on a day-to-day basis. Um, it's nothing spectacular. It's nothing overly unique. It's just a random bad string of bad events. And she really relies on her village, and she really relies on wine and a sick, twisted sense of humor. <laughs> And I think that that's the recipe for success is sick, twisted sense of humor and a good bottle of wine or a box, you know, whatever floats your boat and just pick yourself up, dust yourself off and go. Good for you for not thumbing your nose at the box of wine. (laughs) And I like the fact, absolutely, I think that's great. Uh, Box of wine, the whole idea that you can't have good wine in a box is is ludicrous, of course. It's it's just a a way of storage and transportation. Uh, Miranda O is our guest and uh, her books, uh, the second in a series, uh, When All Else Fails, Chins Up, Bits Out, as we're saying, or Chest Out, whatever you prefer. Uh, If you really are dying to know and you don't know what we're referring to, just look up Miranda O when all else fails and you will uh, find out the exact and the actual title of her books. And I was doing a little bit of creeping on Facebook. Ooh, creeping. I'm sorry. That's okay. You creep away, honey. (laughs) Uh, You posted something uh, just in the last few months and it um, went like this, April 2000. 2013, I could barely walk into a room without a massive panic attack. Four years ago, my life was flipped upside down. A shell of who I used to be was only left, barely staying afloat. I was faced with an opportunity to rebuild who I was from the ground up. I had the option to take the tragedy of my past and turn it into success and strength for my future. Very lengthy post beyond that. What inspired you and... Can you fill us in on some of the blanks in that post? Yeah, for sure. First of all, your research skills are on point. So well done with that. Um, You know what? That post really resonated with me because... uh, I, I, I've written fiction novels, but I think that when we look at it, sometimes the stranger the fiction, the more closer to reality it can be, possibly, maybe, depending. And uh, yeah, these books have been written loosely inspired on, on, on certain events in my life and, and people in my life as well. And uh, yeah, 2013 was a really, really rough year for me. A really important person in my life walked out unexpectedly after a series of really unfortunate events. And and uh, I was left with, all right, you need to figure yourself out. You're 20-something. You, you have no idea what you're doing. And uh, just go after it. And so... I started to sit down and kind of compile things and journal a little bit, which has never been out of the ordinary for me. I've always kind of written um, on the side. And uh, it was, uh, I believe, end of 2015, I reached out to a publisher friend of mine and I said, you know what, I think think I'm ready to tell my story, but 
I don't know how to do it. I've kind of taken notes, but I don't know. And he goes, you know what? I've known you for a decade. And if I know anything that goes on in between your head, that this is going to turn out to be a really, really wonderful ride. Actually, I think he called it a crazy ride instead of a wonderful ride, but we can twist that however you want. And uh, yeah, then I started writing. And once the ball got rolling, just books started popping up. And uh, this is going to be a trilogy. There will be a third book within the next 18 months or so. Well, I'm looking forward to read. I got to get my hands on one of these books for one. So, uh, where can we go and buy them? Yeah, for sure. You can get them on Amazon, uh, Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, or any chapters or Indigo store across Canada. And uh, sorry, McNally Robinson. Did you say that? Uh, the, yes, you can also get them at McNally Robinson. I don't. I have to replenish my stock there. Okay, but that's yeah. They're there as well. Miranda O <laughs> is our studio guest. She is the author of a couple of books, a series of books called Chin Up. Bits out, chin up, chest out. Eve has suggested udders out. Uh, whatever you want to go with at uh, 204-780-6868. That's the text. We're going to continue our chat with Miranda in a moment. Once again, uh, the big story this afternoon, there's been a significant fire at an apartment complex under construction, a housing complex under construction at 701 Sterling Line. The smoke has dissipated from what we are being told by listeners, uh, but we do have reporters on the way, 68. CJOB's Christian O'Mell is on his way to have a look, and we will get more information on that story as it develops, and we'll check your forecast up next. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you at uh, 2.49, and we will keep you up to date on the situation with that fire on Sterling Line Parkway. In the meantime, we're visiting with our new friend Miranda O. When all else fails, chin up, bits out! Or something like that. And her latest book in the series, Remember No Matter What, Chin Up, Bits Out by Miranda O. And when is your third book coming out? Ooh, well, I have to write it. <laughs> so I believe if if I'm going to hold myself accountable, it will be out mid-year next year. It's described as... Chicklet. What would you? How would you describe chicklet? <laughs> I'm probably the worst person to ask what genre my book is uh, or my what my books are in because I, I have readers from all over the world, from all ages, genders, um, everything, and so I, I think it, it is tailored to. When I sat down writing, you you always hear good authors or in your writing courses is to find that one reader that you want to tell your story to, and you're telling your story, and you want you do not want that reader to get up until you're done telling that story. And that ideal reader would be, a, you know, a 30-something-year-old professional woman who has been in a serious relationship or is in a serious relationship, but that doesn't differ from 20-something-year-old men to my 80-something-year-old grandmother reading it and really enjoying it. Um, it it's been surprising the, the amount of people and different types of people from around the world that have loved it, so... Some of the reviews on the second book uh, touch on that, the idea of not being able to put it down mm-hmm. and to read it all in one sitting. That's a powerful endorsement for a book. Yeah, it is. And uh, if if you do get your hands on it, you're going to know that remember no matter what, the first book is like 130 something pages. It's something quick, like you can finish it in an hour or two. And uh, the third book or sorry, the second book is 300 and something pages long. So it's literally triple the size. Um, it's it's equally as fast, but just so much more happens. And, and, you know, I have, uh, I'll have readers reach out to me through Twitter or Instagram or whatnot at three, four o'clock in the morning going, I can't put it down. And oh my God, I love this person. Or I can't realize that this is happening. This is happening. And I'm like, yay. Well, 
don't continue. Just go to bed because it's going to get even more freaky in like 10 pages. So just give yourself a break now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's uh, the first book, uh, Remember No Matter What Up, Chin Up, Bits Out, and the, the description on your website, A Chicklet Romantic Comedy. Mm-hmm. And right there, uh, I wanted to ask you about this as someone who dabbles in this genre. A lot of times I think that uh, rom-coms or anything with the word chick it, uh, that is associated with it automatically gets trashed just because it's aimed at quote-unquote chicks. Yeah. And I wanted to know what you think of that. Is is that unfair? Um, uh, no, I don't I don't think so. I think that it, it is definitely a genre that is written, uh, p- writers always dabble into that. We always go to that. I think it's just a safe place for us to go to. Um I think this is a newer take on it. It's it's really realism. It's it's Hadley makes the same mistake multiple times and gets up and goes on. And you, she runs into daily issues that we all run into, whether it be with a partner, whether it be with a parent, whether it be with a friend. Um, it's not that whimsical romance with Fabio and the long hair coming and riding up on on his. Um, Stallion. Oh, there you go. Thank you, because I, I wouldn't. I wasn't coming up with that word anytime soon. Okay. <laughs> um, and it, it's not. It's not like that. It, it is romantic in its twisted way, and, and it is a female main character. So yeah, it will tailor to your woman. It is romantic, like I said, but it's. It really encourages. Sit down, have a cocktail, a beverage of your choice, grab some Kleenexes, and. And enjoy it. She's she's your best friend telling you a story, and you're just sitting there and enjoying it from the other end of the view. Miranda O oh is our new friend, and she's in studio with us. And this had Brent Williamson and I talking about one of the most popular TED Talks. Are you familiar with Amy Cuddy? No, okay. actually. 41 million views on the verge of 41 million views. I'll send you the link to this. Yeah, please. And it's it, it has to do with body language mm-hmm. and this idea of how you present yourself. Body language affects how others see us, but it may also change how we see ourselves. Social psychologist Amy Cuddy shows how power posing, standing in a posture of confidence, even when we don't feel confident, can affect testosterone and cortisol levels in the brain. And might even have an impact on our chances for success. And when I read the title of your book immediately, I thought about something that Jeff Courier says to us when we pass him almost every single day. He says, boys, be big in there. And that idea of being big, Mm -hmm. you must have some concept of where I'm trying to take you here. Exactly. You know, I couldn't agree with that statement more. Um, you got to be big. There are situations in our lives on a daily basis where we're not going to want to be big. We would rather retract in a shell and kind of hide and just let life play out. And um, I think if we take on that mentality to chin up bits out in every situation in our life, even if we're not 100% sure about it, we're still going to come out on top. Even if we don't look confident or feel, sorry, feel confident inside, as long as we look it eventually it will catch up. It's like that whole fake it till you make it, right? Just a little bit more colorful, like I said. And and that's I think that's how I live my life. That's how Hadley tends to live her life. And and I think that's how a lot of people in my village tend to live their life. Even though they're not, you know, feeling it, then they still go for it. And everybody kind of bands together and we'd be successful but together. It's funny you mention your village. I talk about my bus. Yes. Who I have on my bus, Life right? Bus. And that idea of who's with me. And Brett, uh, yesterday I was, uh, you know, 
We were a little bored yesterday, and we were throwing plastic bottles into the recycling bin, right? We do that here, right? Uh, try and make the shot Three or whatever. Points. Anyway, my boys are, you know, they're not quite doing it. And I said something to them. I said, part of making it, part of making any shot, hitting the ball, striking the golf ball properly is believing that believing that when you do it, it's going to happen exactly the way you want it to. That whole idea of visualization. I imagine that's a huge part of golf success or otherwise on the golf course is walking yourself through that idea of this is how it's going to go in my head and mimicking that in terms of your muscle memory. Well, in theory, yes. Uh, but then I hit the ball and it, uh, it goes out out of bounds. So yeah, I would like to try to subscribe to that, but I need some, some work uh, on confidence and maybe I need to read your books to, to learn your motto. Because when I read this, when Greg read your Facebook post where you're talking about panic attacks, I never would have guessed that this young woman who came bouncing into our studio here she with a big in. smile. She, she barreled in. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> with stilettos and a really nice outfit, may oh, I Mark, add. You owned it. You absolutely owned it. Uh, yeah, it, it's unimaginable. I'm with you on that. Do you still? We only have about 45 seconds left. That's okay. Are there, do you still have moments like this where you think, how am I going to go on? Oh, God. Every day. Yeah. Every day. I, I think the world is just like that. And I think that if you just keep that in your head to always pick yourself, dust yourself off, chin up, bits out, chin up, chest out, whatever that mantra is, live by it and eventually you'll get there. If you want more information on the books, what's your website? omirandao.com. So that's O-H, Miranda, O-H.com. Miranda, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, gentlemen. It was my pleasure. We'll hear from Christian O'Mell coming up live in three minutes from Sterling Lion Parkway on 680 CJOB. 3.07, coming up to 3.08 on this Monday afternoon. Of course, the big news story this afternoon appears that the fire is mostly out on Sterling Lying Parkway. Fire that's been uh, consuming the news for the last hour or so. I just put my headphones on. Why is this song on? Spando Ballet. Yeah. Forte's <laughs> like, I, why is it... <laughs> I don't know why it's playing. It's certainly not coming out of my computer. Well, it's coming out of mine. Is there a method to your madness, Greg nope. Mackling? You just have YouTube on. I have just... YouTube. I was looking up that Amy Cuddy video okay. for our friend Miranda O. <laughs> and for whatever reason, Spando, Spando, Spandu, Spandau, Ballet, True is playing along. Yeah, no, this is not taking us anywhere in particular. Oh, yeah. Well, what a... What a it, a welcome interlude, nonetheless. It is our uh, unintentional three o'clock audio <laughs> Snickers bar. <laughs> also used in that song, PM Dawn. Uh, the, no, PM Dawn is the group. Something about uh, set adrift on memories bliss. Something like that. That sounds exactly right, but I'd never know the words to the song. So, okay. I'm going to go with that. So we'll just fade this down. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to. I'm telling the story about what's going on with the fire, and you guys are looking at each other, and I'm like, I'm missing out on something here. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, the joke was on me as we uh, yeah, come back from the news at 3 o'clock. It's been one of those days, hasn't it, uh, Brett? Well, and it's it really odd has. that we had Friday, we had that situation where downtown Winnipeg was 
chaos and mayhem because of the suspicious package that was uh, put down there and all the, the roads that were closed as a result, backing up traffic for God knows how long. Uh, so that took up much of our show. And then this afternoon, we get the breaking news situation with this gigantic fire. At least in terms of the smoke, it looked gigantic because it was thick and black right. and shooting into the sky so far that people could see it from Henderson on the perimeter. People could see it from Garvin. We had a, a joke... <laughs> We had a joke from John, I believe it was in Steinbach, who says, I can see smoke in Steinbach. Oh, wait, that's because I just lit a smoke. <laughs> Thanks, we John. appreciate the interaction <laughs> and we appreciate all the pictures. We must have had a dozen pictures within about 10 minutes mm-hmm. of uh, the story breaking and uh, also uh, lots of information from lots of different folks listening out there. You really are a big part of what we do here at 680 CGOB and what we do at Global News because it's your news tips quite often that initiate the ball, start the ball rolling, and allow us to get out and cover these things that are clearly important to you. When you can see smoke from just about every corner of the city, people want to know what's going on, and quite often we don't know what's happening until we hear it from one of you, one of our listeners. So we appreciate so much uh, the feedback, the interaction. You know, uh, we pride ourselves in being first with these stories and being accurate with them. But quite often it starts with you, our listeners, and our, uh, you know, the ability to interact with you is so invaluable. Uh, You mentioned what happened Friday. One of the stories that you might have missed on Friday, one of the more interesting stories uh, that uh, came out on Friday that we didn't have an opportunity to tell you about that we wanted to, I thought was worthwhile to holding on to until today. And this is why I have the button press that I do on my console here. It's because I want to play a different song, not Spandau Ballet, but The Offspring. <laughs> oh boy. It's the original prankster it is i figured since i'm sitting next to you it's an apropos sort of song oh yes that's right because i was the one who did the first prank against tristan field jones Mm -hmm. you are the original prankster here's the headline from rolling stone magazine offspring's dexter holland finishes his phd thesis on hiv research are you kidding me Singer-guitarist completes molecular biology degree after putting it on hold to focus on rock and roll. Nice. Next year, I, I knew about this, that he was pursuing a doctorate, and I thought I had said microbiology, but it was molecular biology. And it's not something that you would think of, particularly with this song, Original Prankster, which might be my least favorite song of theirs. I used to be a huge Offspring fan. I listened to the album Smash, I don't know how many hundreds of times. I saw them play when they first came here, I want to say back in 1997-ish, maybe it was 96. They're coming July 12th. I know, they're coming back. I need to, I haven't bought tickets yet. What kind of a fan am I that I haven't bought tickets? But I, like I said, I was a huge fan. And maybe not as big a fan as you proclaim, Mr. Well, that's why you, they, maybe they, you're a poser. Well, you're not the original well, prankster. The original, you're the original poser, Well, you, you need to perhaps listen a little more closely, Greg. That's why I said was. Note the word was. Okay. Was a huge fan. Okay. Now, maybe not, not so, so much. much. All right. Well, here's the story real quick. The Offspring's Dexter Holland has finally finished the PhD 
PhD program in molecular biology he put on hold years ago to focus on rock and roll amidst years of touring and recording the singer guitarist chipped away at his degree conducting research and eventually publishing a 175 page dissertation on the molecular dynamics of HIV and the general virus host interaction. Holland graduated from the University of Southern California on Tuesday and will return to the stage with the offspring, and that <laughs> happened on Saturday. I think it was in Charlotte, North Carolina. So how about that? And uh, here's the title of his dissertation. Discovery of mature microRNA sequences within the protein coding regions of global HIV-1 genomes, colon, predictions of novel mechanisms for viral infection and pathogenesis. Genesity? Pathogenicity. It's available to read in full via the University of Southern California. Isn't that spectacular? That's great. It it's you really it goes to the you really can't judge a book by its cover. You look at at first glance, you look at these guys in offspring and you think, oh, they're just a just a punk band. And I got nothing against punk bands, but you wouldn't generally I think associate a punk band with a guy who's going for a PhD in molecular biology. And then focusing on HIV on top of that. I think it's an incredible uh, accomplishment by Holland. And by the way, I found this out while I was doing more research on this whole uh, HIV um, uh, dissertation that Holland had done. And I found out that Round Hill Publications, their music publisher, bought the Offspring catalog for $35 million back in 2016. Wow. So uh, those boys have done very well from themselves, the boys in Offspring. So uh, hats off to them. July 12th at uh, Winnipeg Convention Center. I don't know if there are any tickets left. I could have checked that for you, but I did not. If this inspires you somehow, some way to... uh, Check them out. Yeah, I think I really should be going to the show. I don't know why I even even thought about it to begin with. I thought about why I would not go to it. If I can call myself an Offspring fan once upon a time, I should go to see the show because I may not get another opportunity once upon a time. My favorite band, in fact. Now I'm feeling guilty. Oh, my goodness. 3.15 on 680 CJOB. We're going to have a look at traffic. And we'll get you an update on the crash at Lajamodier and Furmore. And we'll also have a look at your forecast on 680 CJOB. I was talking about that uh, concert coming up on July the 12th at uh, RBC Convention Center. Oh, yes, the offspring. Along with Sublime and Rome. Sublime with Rome. Okay. Uh, I was taking a look at the seats. I'm like, oh, I wonder how many seats are left. Looks like it's all general admission. Okay, it's probably standing room only kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they did last time. It was just uh, typically when they had concerts at the convention center, it was just you go and you stand um, because there's no, it's just a, it's a flat surface, right? So that you can't really set up chairs. Although I guess. Well, they used to have, yeah. they used to have bleachers. They used to have a set of bleachers. I think about a thousand or maybe 1200 seats because they used to have the Winnipeg Cyclone basketball that's team. That's right played in the uh, convention center before the expansion. So I don't know if they've replaced those or not. But yeah, it looks as though that's just going to be a general admission, basically like a great big social. Yeah, well, that's that's how the show was. It was just... Now, I'm I'm curious to know about the the audience because when I went to see them in the late 1990s and they were in the midst of their the peak of their popularity, it was a young crowd. It was a, a rambunctious crowd. There was a proper mosh pit 
where it wasn't just people bouncing around, but it was actually sort of the the violent ones where you you hurl your body up against someone else in particular. And because I'm a big guy, I thought, hey, I can actually do that. So I did that, and I survived against all the scary-looking punk rock guys. But all those, if all of those people go back to this show, we're, I'm 39. Back then I was 19, You're 20. not doing body slamming no. and crowd surfing and whatever you call it, moshing. Exactly. That's so, not happening, right? No, no. So I'm curious to know if they'll regret doing the convention center and the general admission. If they're, I would imagine they're not expecting the same kind of audience as they did last time, but I don't know. Maybe the kids, did the kids still listen to The Offspring? I don't know anymore. I don't know if the kids are listening to The Offspring <laughs> or not. I, I can't help you with that. My kids seem to think all the best music was made in the 1980s. Um, so it really, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. They're really getting into the, to the older rock and roll stuff. Uh, one of my boys is really into the Watchmen. He loves their live and stereo nineties. Yeah. He, I, you know, I had to say that's in the nineties. He goes, well, you know what I mean, dad, back when you were young. <laughs> well, he, at least he didn't say the olden days. No, he wanted to, but he knew better. I was he was in <laughs> within striking distance. <laughs> <laughs> so he knew that he'd better uh back off on the rhetoric a little bit. So uh yeah, he loves that any day now, the live version of any day now by the watchman. I've told him the story, you know, imagine Winnipeg, you're on an airplane, you're coming home, and uh, you're flying in, you're landing at the airport, and it's of course it's the middle of winter, and uh, to visualize that whole thing and now he absolutely loves that whole song well yeah it's uh they're the watchmen are so good live they are so good live yeah they were just here and i i pulled up mcgarry i didn't go is it uh, danny greaves is that the danny name greaves of the yeah he has such an amazing voice hauntingly like. hauntingly beautiful yeah i saw them play at the pyramid i was that's a, that's a great venue so it was a great venue for a live show and uh with one of the best live shows live bands I've ever seen. They were actually the first concert I ever went to was the Headstones and the Watchmen at the Red River X in June of 1995. So how for, about that? It was, a, I, we had floor seats where there were chairs set up. And the first thing is Hugh Dillon, Hugh Dillon. Yeah. The first thing he says is lose the chairs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then, and then a th- like thousands of people jumped the, from the general seating in the back. They had to clear the floor in between headstones and the watchman and let everybody back in. It was a mess. Great show though. Traffic and weather. Or actually, no, we're just doing weather next. As opposed to describing the song. We have the ability to play the song. We're a radio station after all. It's the Watchmen any day now. Is this the live version your son likes? No, I couldn't find the live version. It's a frozen town. What town could you be talking about, Danny? Look could be Flin Flon. He didn't grow up in Flin Flon. Anyway, it's a great it's a great homage to Winnipeg. This song, and uh, one of my very favorite songs by the by the Watchmen. And uh, yeah, just thought I'd share that with you as I was talking about it earlier. Way better to hear it. It is the a mouth of Danny Graves. It is a lovely, lovely song. He's got such a wonderful voice. So thank you for bringing me down that stretch of memory lane. You sent me this article earlier. Here's how happy. 
satisfied Canadians are with their lives. This is from Ipsos. And what prompted you to do that, Mr. Greg? Well, I just, uh, I was trying to reach out to the folks that conducted the uh, survey just because as we're winding down uh, our golden years and as we enter into our golden years, right, for the first time ever, Canada's population has more senior citizens than it has teenagers. And so a larger percentage of the population will be reflecting on their life, what they've done with their life, and whether or not they've done what they set out to do. And the research is interesting because only 20% of Canadians believe that their prospects of holding on to a secure job is better than their parents. 25% say that they measure their success by things they own. 39% say that fulfillment in life is achieving a prominent position in your career. So as we were having that conversation with Miranda, you you think about the idea of just being, you know, um, philosophical about life and, and, you know, you pick yourself up when you get knocked down. And when you've been through some of the things that Miranda's been through in her personal life, and then you compare it to what we're still saying that our priorities are, 57%, as an example, say that they feel a lot of pressure to be successful and make money. It just seems as though we're we're maybe not getting the message that uh, the path traveled is more important than the destination. And if the destination is a pot of gold at the end of that journey, then uh, maybe we've, you know, maybe we're traveling down the wrong path in the first place. Well, and it is interesting. Uh, You see how some people measure their success. Uh, 25% say they measure their success by the things they own. And I think that there was a point in my life where I, I don't know if it was so much the things that I own, but maybe, I guess really, yeah, because for example, when I had a house and had uh, nice furniture and things like that, and I thought, hey, yeah, I can now kind of measure up to my friends who are the same age who all had houses and wives and their families and sort of that I kind of tried to when I compared myself to them I thought well now hey I can now I can play in the same game you're playing in so then when that was all sort of evaporated from my life right and I ended up in a rather what I like to consider a, a cozy but modest apartment in the Corden region I kind of felt at first I felt like I had failed because I went from having a, a nice house and all this stuff to an apartment with not even a couch <laughs> to go out and buy a couch because the couch, uh, they went with the other person I shared the house with. So I had basically nothing and I kind of thought, oh, well, now I feel like a failure, but I don't as that that was three years ago. And as I've had time to reflect, I, I've come to the realization I don't really care at, at all about that. I, I mean, I, I have a couch. <laughs> but I did go get a couch. But how you measure your fulfillment in your life has changed, right? Yeah. Based on the changing circumstances and you realize that, and if you've been down, uh, you know, if you've had life experience that has taken you away from what you thought was your ultimate goal and your your ultimate me- measuring stick, um, sometimes you have an opportunity to reevaluate that and you've had that opportunity, as have I. And I don't uh, measure things the way I used to either in any way, shape, or form. So uh, that's supposed to be one of the things that we learn, right, as we get older, is that it's not about, you know, the old saying, the the one with the most toys wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know we still play that game a little bit. How about <laughs> our, our naivete or, or how maybe our... Mm, 
Let me just read this. When we think about our environmental legacy, most agree that despite of all the talk and attention, the future isn't bright. This is a very kind of depressing survey, I have to say. 73%, this is up from 67% just three years ago, say that we are heading for environmental disaster unless we change our habits quickly. Wow. Yeah. Environmental disaster. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so I guess we're decidedly becoming more pessimistic is really the underlying message in this survey. Uh, and and actually that this is, I'm drawing a very thin line between these two points, but that reminds me that Al Gore has a sequel coming this <laughs> summer to An Inconvenient Truth. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I never did see that first one. Did you? I did. I saw it. I bought the whole thing, hook, line, and sinker. I'm a little bit more educated on it now. Uh, I think there were a lot of things in that first movie that we need to pay attention to. But I've gotten away from the whole idea of being concerned about climate change for climate change's sake. Uh, We have to realize that a lot of the world, in my opinion, a lot of the world is going to be moving towards alternate fuels. And uh, you cannot build your economy around fossil fuels and expect that in 40, 50 years, you're still going to be competitive. When our country was at, you know, dollar was at par, oil was at $140 a barrel, things could never have been better. Yeah. But instead of taking the what I would think would be the smart approach and investing more and more into renewable resources and other technologies around the future of energy, we just thought that that party was going to last forever. And look, here we are just you know six, seven years later. Uh, from when we were at par in the dollar and oil was sky high and we were talking about the potential of $200 a barrel oil. Well, now we're asking the question, is there ever going to be another oil boom? You know, and that's in a decade. Things have changed a ton. And so some of that wisdom, quote unquote, out of the out of uh, Al Gore's movie Inconvenient Truth, uh, I think we could have uh, taken note of some of that stuff, even though some of it is... You know, it's kind of, uh, kind of bogus. Some of the research is a little bit bogus, but I don't think it matters. The climate is changing, and we better pay attention to it. I don't know if we can fix it or not, but we better pay attention because sticking your head in the sand, that's not going to work. Because that hole in the sand going to fill up with water pretty soon. <laughs> Three forty-six on six eighty CJOB. We'll check traffic and your forecast up next. We were talking about The Offspring, we were talking about The Watchmen, and Friday night, my Twitter timeline and my Facebook page was filled up with people that I know who were having a great time in Vancouver, British Columbia. There's nothing going on there, was there? Yes, there was. You too was in town, and uh, Richard Cloutier, you weren't here Friday. I was told you were on assignment. Oh, here's can Sherlock you, again, coming to conclusions. T- can you tell us a little bit more about your assignment? You too was fun. It was a great concert. There were problems, I gather, uh, people getting in and not getting in on time. Uh, we got there fairly early, no problems with the lineups whatsoever. Mumford and Sons, great show, but only about a quarter of the people had arrived in time to see this fabulous band that would headline anywhere else. And even the opening of U2, uh, not everybody was in uh, BC Place by then. But uh, first half of the concert, phenomenal, uh, visually stunning. Uh, the boys back in town in, you know, in Vancouver where they really enjoy that city. 
and they had rehearsed there for a couple of weeks. So people within the city had been saying that uh, you could hear the concert from outside. Uh, they they opened not with Joshua Tree, but uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday. A, the Joshua Tree stage extended into the crowd, so it was a little bit more personal for those people that had floor seats. We were up high and still great seats, but the, 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 the sound stage, the stage itself, the video performance... And then Bono got a little bit too preachy towards the end of the show. It's so he preachy. Got too preachy? You expect that with Bono? Right. You expect that? And uh, it just, at that point, I just thought that, you know, buddy, you've made your point. Is that why, they, more is that why they like Vancouver? Because of all the granola heads there? I think, that's, I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. It's a stunningly beautiful city. I wouldn't want, want to live there because any conversation you have, it's like, uh, you know, how much is that? That's two million dollars for that piece of plywood. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, incredible city. See. But it was a phenomenal concert. We had a great time. Yeah, I was very jealous to know that you were there. So, uh, and thanks for the shirt, buddy. You bet. I no appreciate problem. it. I'll wear it with a lot of pride. You bet. What? You got a shirt? Yeah, I got a shirt. Right. Of course, I got a shirt. <laughs> oh, oh no, I got nothing oh, no. except pictures from the show. I was like, "Why are you sending this to me right now? <laughs> Delete. I, I guess you need to be Block this caller. That's why you didn't get a shirt. Because you treat Richard's Cluche, Richard Cluche's message with such disdain. And he didn't know disrespect. that. Yeah, exactly. Now we know. Speaking of concerts, we have uh, tickets to give away. Tim and Faith. Are they coming to Winnipeg? They are. I didn't realize yes. that. Yes, and uh, I've seen him separately, but not with his lovely wife. So I didn't think they went anywhere apart. Yeah. I thought they always toured together. Well, some t- they might be together, but they don't always do like the whole show together. Mm. So this is going to be exciting. So uh, get your camera ready. We'll be looking for you. It's the Soul to Soul Tour. So asking you to text us pictures of your soulmate or whether it's your, your real partner or whether it's maybe a work soulmate or just a, your concert mate buddy. Aww. So a little soul to soul. Aww. So text us uh, your pictures, 204-780-6868. We're going to give away tickets to Tim and Faith. The latest from the fire scene at the news at 4 o'clock and that horrific death up uh, north. We'll talk about uh, that with Global News' Sheldon Rogers. And later, kind of on that theme of concerts, we're going to talk to the producer of the Canada Summer Games. They've announced uh, some very big opening and closing ceremony plans. I'll be listening. What time should I uh, make sure that I'm on the dial for that? Between well, four, four and, and seven. seven. <laughs> Richard Clucci and Julie Buckingham. And brush up on your French because we have tickets for Piaf as well. For what? Piaf. 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 What's that? She's Don't a very, go there. very famous French singer. And uh, so now it's the Piaf, the show, because she passed away many years ago. So we'll be asking you to utter a, a clean French phrase, perhaps. I know very few. <laughs> Flacon de maize comes to mind. Okay, that's all the time we have. I'm Brett, he's Greg. Thank you, Richard and Julie. And thank you, Jeff Forte in Master Control. And thank you for listening to Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB.